0: You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. How many of you were here last night? Give me a wave offering. Okay, I meant to do this last night, so I'm going to do it now, and the rest of you can enjoy. Um, Give me one word, not a sentence, one word, your takeaway from last night. One word. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, raise your hand. Faithfulness. Okay. I like that. Peace. Feast? Peace. Oh, not like. <laughs> peace. peace, peace. Someone else. Provoked. Provoked. Beloved. Beloved. Purity. Purity. Say that again. Persistence. Persistence. Oh, yeah. Pray. Prayer. Discipline. Discipline. Nobody said funny. <laughs> how many of you had fun last night? Way clap. Oh, no, I want a real clap. That was way too fun. To... We had so much fun last night. I don't know how that happened. I loved it. But I'm going to pick up where we left off last night. And if you weren't here, I'm going to just catch you up. I talked about um, prayer for those who have a dream in their heart, that prayer will be the door. The, the first door you're going to open is the door to humility. And I, I shared my, my testimony because I, I have one that's been uh, heard all over the United States for decades. Uh, it's one you don't really forget. I was suicidal, an addict, alcoholic. My dad an alcoholic. His dad, an alcoholic, and at 21 years old, I thought it was going to take my life. I thought it was pregnant. I didn't know by whom. I, I, I just was at, at as far to the bottom as you could go, and I drove to a church, and it was the kind of church my parents had raised me in. So I, I, I'd gone to church my whole life till I left home at 17 and went to college. Um, you would have thought I would have known where to find God, but I remember when I considered suicide, my next thought was, I got to find God. And I drove to a church, and, and every parent will be happy to know, it was the kind of church my parents had raised me in, the kind where you sit kneel, stand, and you get confirmed, and you get baptized, and you go to confirmation class, the whole bit. Uh, that was the only, that was me, that was my tradition, so that's where I went. But I thought, i, I got to find God. And there was no one there, no pastor, no secretary. But So I look in the pews, and it was an old church, and nobody there. And I ran down the steps. And at the janitor's closet was the janitor, and I was tearful and uh, afraid. afraid, um, And I said, "I got to, I got to talk." And he said, "Let's just pray." And I didn't think, "Oh, how's this going to change my life?" And this can't help. And I don't know. I was wide open to okay. And. Of course, it wasn't a crusade, and it wasn't a Bible study, and it wasn't a Sunday school service, sermon. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a sermon. It wasn't Sunday school class. I, I I didn't know the guy, but I said, okay. He said, ask Jesus. Just ask Jesus to come in your heart. And i got to tell you something. The junior church room was right next to the janitor's closet. When I was a little girl, I have Sunday school teachers still alive today, believe it or not, that would say I was the loudest singer, and I could... I would take over the class as the teacher didn't have a plan in in junior church. But I was very familiar with junior church and that God would kind of put the janitor's closet by that. The janitor had kind of ushered me into the junior church room. And I sat on a little tiny chair as a 21-year-old girl, and I said, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. And I knew who Jesus was. I knew. You know, our church was an old church where the picture of Jesus was a shepherd He was a shepherd with sheep around his shoulders. You may not have seen that one. But I had a picture on that day. He said, ask God to forgive you of your sins. If you can think of any, name them. I'm like, (laughs) ooh. But so many people stop right there. I'm not a sinner. I'm like, no problem. That wasn't for sure i didn't know the first john 1 9 says if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and do what cleanse you from all unrighteousness you know sometimes i i've i've been thinking about my life over the 43 years i've been a christian and my fire hasn't gone out and i think what was the difference and i i think because i believed what the bible said that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And what is cleansing like? And I had another picture then. And this is kind of crazy because I really remember all of this. When you go to camp and you get really muddy, dirty, have you ever done that? Raise your hand. And then you get in the shower and it's hot and sudsy and the mud falls off. That's what it felt like. So I kept confessing. I kept thinking, I started way back at the wedding where I thought I got pregnant by somebody I didn't know, and then I had a boyfriend, and then I just kept going, and the, the drugs and the alcohol. And the, the more I confessed, the cleaner I felt. And then he said, ask God to fill you with this Holy Spirit. Well, I grew up in a tradition where I, there, there wasn't a Holy Spirit, there was a Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, you know, not as friendly as the Holy Spirit. <laughs> So I'm like, okay. And, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I love dancing. I love dancing. I was like a disco dancer. So I don't know what happened. Junior church chair, done. I stand up, and I'm like, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And this guy's looking at me like, wow. What just happened? Where did I get? And, and he did something. He, he said, you know, he, he, he grabbed a, a Lutheran hymnal. I don't usually say that publicly. Because I don't want anybody, everybody thinks I was Catholic. I was Lutheran. And he opened the hymnal to the rite of baptism. And Luther in the 1500s, if you were to baptize a baby up until about 1960, you still did this. You renounced the devil over that child. And he had me recite the baptismal rite. And I renounced the devil that day. At the end of our little conversation, I had to go back to work at a car dealership. And he said to me, oh, he was the kind of Christian that knew a Scripture said without opening the Bible. He said, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Again, I'm listening to a guy for the first time in my life hearing the word of God speaking into my heart filled with the Holy Spirit and I believe him. You, you you could have called me a lot of names. You, young woman, are a brand new creature. The old has gone. The new has come. And all this whoa hold on all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation I kid you not I kid you not on that day August twenty-sixth, I am like one minute old Christian and I go oh, I have a job I have been given the ministry of reconciliation I kid you not that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I literally went, glad she's gone, all gone, new coming, ambassador. I mean, I quickly left that old life. I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't know how, Except I believe that the word of God as it went along said as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. And I, I'm not. I have people alive to this day. My mother, my brother. They all, they all knew who I was, what I was, what I'd done. Hit a car, DUI. The whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Possibly pregnant. The whole bit. I walked out and I went to work. My cousin had gotten me this job in this car dealership. So I'd shamed her name. I'd, I'd hit a car. That the, the car dealer had let me purchase a brand new car. I mean, it was a complete mess. And I walk into the parts department where I used to buy speed. And I said to the guys, you will not believe this. I have just asked Jesus Christ into my life, and I'm going to heaven. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. The janitor told me. I literally, this was me. Coming to Jesus. And so I I went from the parts department. You know, I kind of dated a service guy. I went to my boss. She was beautiful. She was the first business manager in the history of Chevrolet across America. I said, I've become a Christian. She just looked at me like, this is so impossible. And she wasn't a believer. She bought me my first Bible, and she didn't know anything about Bibles. She bought me the living Bible. It's four inches by 12 inches, (laughs) and it's large print, you know, like uh, 48 font. (laughs) That's what she just went to a store and said, this, this girl of mine. I led her to Christ, of course. I became the kind of Christian Christians don't even like to hang around. I walked into the, but I didn't know I was a Christian right at first. I didn't know what happened. Uh, some of my friends said, like, ooh, you've had a nervous breakdown. I'm like, oh, it's awesome. I don't know, I, you know, whoa. They're like... So I I, I I was getting my wings and I walked into uh you know the computer room and it was near Ford Ord and Ford Ord is a mishmash of like like 40,000 GIs from all over America, right? And a lot of the wives worked at the car dealership. And so this young girl, I go, You won't believe this, Nora? Nora, I've I, I become a Christian. I said this prayer. I've asked Jesus Christ in my life. He's forgiven my sin. I mean, I gave this simple gospel every single time. It wasn't like, Hey, no, I gave it all. He was on the cross. He died for me. He forgave me. She says, Wow, Becky, she's from the South. Wow, Becky, you have been saved. You have been born again. I'm like, oh, no, I have? Oh, well, going with it. You know, I I just, but the the first prayer I ever prayed was a, a door that we all have to go through. And it is where we bend our knees and we bow our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I'm a sinner for whom you died. I've broken your heart. I've wasted some of my life here. Will you forgive me and change me and heal me and help me? And for some crazy reason, honestly, I just believed. I'm an ambassador. I got a job. I got to reconcile people. And believe me, I knew so many people that needed to be reconciled. So that first door is the door you always have to look at every single person you ever encounter and not judge, but say, they got to get to that door they got to get through the door. And, and and I'm their ambassador. So if I'm a judgmental, rude, lousy, political, oh, I don't know why I said that, uh, kind of Christian, and, and they don't see Jesus Christ, the one who died for them, loves them, saved them, and who died for you, by the way, and me, we're part of the problem, right? So every, 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 every single addict that comes into my life I love them. I'm like, I got hope. I got, I got hope. I got hope. And they're like, oh no, it's been, it's been, it's been three years. I'm like, yeah. Well, I know what it's like to be an alcoholic five years. I know exactly what it's like. Come on, come on. Let's pray this prayer. Let's get to AA. Come on, you can do this. We can do this. You can do this. Get in your Bible. Start praying. Oh, I mean, I, and it happens no matter where I am. No matter where I am, I believe I am going to be your janitor. I mean, I could go with the ambassador title, but janitor sounds more woke. Had to be there, had to be there, old folk. (laughs) I was on a plane. I was going to speak for the governor of Iowa, uh, the Iowa Prayer Breakfast last year. Um, And, 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 And they're serious about prayer, at that prayer breakfast. For one year, every day, a committee prays for the speaker. By the time I got on that plane, I am like, I don't know why, but I'm on a cloud. I'm on a cloud. And I, I just was like, whoo. And I sit down in the in the plane, and this girl is on the phone, she's crying, hangs up, picks it up, says something, husband, hangs it down, picks it up. Cry. I finally go, Okay, okay. Can I pray for you? She's like, ah, I'm not a Christian, my husband's a Christian, I can't believe he said that. she calls him up again. Johnson is a Christian, he wants to pray for me. He's probably says something like, let her pray for you. And you know And so I'm I'm like, oh gosh, I had all this work planned. This is not going to happen now. So I kind of just wait, and and we get started, and I start letting her tell me her story. And she's a mom, and I'm like, this is a disaster. But I'm on this plane with her. She goes, I. And all of a sudden, the drink car came by. It's 9 a.m., maybe 8. Would you like a drink? She goes, yes, is it it too early for scotch? I went, yes, it's too early for scotch. (laughs) She goes, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to her. I said, it's too early for scotch. I know. She goes, how would you know? I said, I'm an alcoholic. I know, 9 a.m., too early for scotch. (laughs) She goes, I'll take a scotch. She gets her scotch. I'm like, oh, boy. So I put everything down, and I open Bible, everything, and I share my entire testimony, and I ask her to come to Christ, uh, she's crying. She's like, I know my husband has prayed for this for years. I Blah, I blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, the drink cart lady comes by, and I'm like, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Church is right here. You're not in church. And I led her to Christ. I made her pray the prayer out loud. I thought, she's never going to believe this if she does this little in my head thing. I want you to pray the words out loud. I, I took her through Romans Road in my Bible. That poor girl was middle seat. I get on an airplane, literally, and think, when are they going to feel the heat? How long is it going to be? Because my heart's on fire. But I've been a Christian 43 years, and you want to know something? When you're desperate, the good news is good news. And you never forget it. So sometimes I look around, and I'm like, how do you forget that? How do you forget that? Well, the first door that you walk through with prayer is that that humility door. Some people do it when they're really little. And I think you can. I think you can totally go, Jesus, come into my heart. But when you're 21 and you've made a complete mess of your life and hurt every single person you know and shamed your family and yourself and and are, are so disgusted in yourself, you're willing to commit suicide, that Jesus, who loves you, and forgave you is something else. So when my boyfriend came back and said, you're not a, an alcoholic, just slow down. I'm like, no. Oh, no. And he said, you know, people who love each other live together. I'm like, oh, no. I said, I've, I've moved out. Because why don't we get married? And he's like, <laughs> I'm not going to married. We're not going to get married. I'm like, were we living together? I thought we were getting married. And all of a sudden, these open eyes are wide open. And I just wanted him to come to Jesus, and he, and he wouldn't. And then I, I cracked everybody up last night when I said I looked around, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to marry Janitor. I'm going home to Cleveland. <laughs> and I went home. And that first prayer remained probably the, the fire that keeps me in my heart. I'm an ambassador. The, one of the first things I did I probably wasn't home 24 hours. I went up to my public high school. Went up to the vice principal who kicked me off cheerleading so many times. And I said, I've become a Christian, and I have the answer, Jesus. He's like, oh, you? And we can't do that here. This is a public school. I'm literally a baby Christian. I'm like, no, I have the answer. I have it. I know what people are looking for. I know what students are looking for. They're looking for a boy to love them. That ain't the answer. Oh, no. Jesus is the answer. He's like, oh, my gosh. You can't do that here. But apparently Youth for Christ can do that here. And I found Youth for Christ. And I I was, for 10 years, a Youth for Christ worker. And I would always take the hand of a person and usher them to that door, that first door of prayer. Where you say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God who came to earth and died for me, a sinner. It costs you. It costs you so much. And and the least I can do is love you back. And if loving you back is imploring others to come to God, I'm gonna. I can do it. Thanks for giving me a job. Nobody else would. Thanks for loving me. So I talked about that prayer that's a door to humility then there was a pathway a prayer that becomes a pathway to intimacy and i i i talked about how i was maybe 29 years old mother of a toddler i'd been a youth worker and youth for christ for about seven years i you know i i i was 24 7 youth worker. so it was so bad i gave like 200 kids my phone number don't don't do that if you're a youth worker they call anytime they show up at your door midnight they don't care I love, to this day, I love students. Because I was a student in a school of 2,000 kids. And I became an alcoholic. Youth for Christ was there. FCA was there. The whole bit. Nobody nobody apparently thought I was going to accept the gospel. I went to a a state school. 28,000 kids. I, I did not hear the gospel that I recall. So I... I I said, around on a plane. You you, you probably won't even believe this. I'm in Orange County, California. I get on a plane. I don't know why. Oh, I know. I got on the wrong flight. I got booted. I had to go not get my favorite seat, which is middle exit or exit, you know, right there. I'm in the last row by the bathroom. I sit down in this girl in a hoodie with a university, and I'm like, where are you going? See my ex-boyfriend. I'm like, why are you going to see your ex boyfriend? <laughs> we haven't even taken off. We haven't even taken off. She says, He wants to get back together. So I say, Where do you go to school? She told me. I said, What year are you? She said, I'm a senior. We're graduating. I'm an athlete. I only have one question Are you going to sleep with them? She's like, Probably. I said, you and my daughter, I'd tell you to go home. Get off the plane. She said, my mom told me to go have fun. I went, well, OK. I'm in. So for the next two hours, that poor girl, middle oh. seat. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what. I'll meet you at your campus Tuesday. I know where Denny's is. It's about 30 30 minutes from my home. She goes, what time? I said, eight. Okay, We met. She came just crying her eyes out. I led her to Christ. She said, would you come back next Tuesday? I'm going to bring another girl from the team. Mm -hmm. Led her to Christ. They came to my church on Mother's Day. She gave me a Mother's Day card. To this day, I get cards from her. She is now married with three really cute children. She married a Christian. She became a Christian. It is good. It is good. Where are you supposed to be? And who's your person? Who's your people? Your people are right in front of you. And you're the ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. The pathway to intimacy, for me, is that hour with God every day. And as that youth worker at 29 years old, I didn't have it going yet. I had haphazard going. I had I'm too busy, too tired, too lazy going. But I was a good communicator, and I could get lots of kids into Campus Life Club. But after one little Bible study in a Denny's, or Bob's Big Boy, that's what we called it in Ohio, I remember teaching on how to have time with God. And as I'm walking out, I kind of heard a little voice say, you don't even do what you taught him to do. I'm like, oh. And that was in preparation, I suppose, because I went to the 40th anniversary of Youth for Christ in Chicago with our whole team. And I didn't have an intimacy with God in prayer. I had kind of a, every now and then. And every president of Youth for Christ spoke at this anniversary. Billy Graham was the first youth worker for Youth for Christ. So they had a little video from him. And then Ted Engstrom, former World Vision president. Jay Kessler, uh, also former president of Taylor University. I mean, the big, the big guns. And each one talked about their most important tool, resource, aspect as president of Youth for Christ. My little ears are like, I want to be the president, and I want to be the president one day. I'm going to be the president. And they said, prayer. I'm like, prayer, prayer, prayer is for the elderly. Why are we doing, what are we talking about? <laughs> we are youth workers here. But they talked about miracles. Literally told the story that Youth for Christ was invited to India in 1940-something. And they took trains and boats and buses and the whole bit, camels, I don't know, everything to get there in the day. And when they got to the door of India, they were told, you cannot come in, we don't want youth for Christ or the gospel. I would have gone, okay, who sent us? Whose money did we just spend? Oh, my gosh, what were we doing? And I would have done this all the way home. And they said, so we got in a hotel room and prayed 24 hours. And there was a knock on the door from some uh, embassy, that said they've changed their mind. And Youth for Christ has been in India 60 years now, 6-0. They almost went back. And I remember listening to the story and going, I'm missing something. I'm missing the adventure with God, the intimacy with God. And so I did crazy. I do crazy things. I made a decision that day at that convention, February 18, 1984. I'm going to pray for one hour a day for the rest of my life. Right. It's been 35 years, over 35 years, over 12,000 hours, with the king. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Do you think my heart's on fire? Yeah. There is conviction there, there is passion there, there is hope there. There is encouragement there. There is a... keep going, girl. I hear it all the time. And believe me, as a woman in ministry, I don't hear that, very often. From hardly anybody. Forty-three years. Except my husband. He was my boss for ten years. That was good. <laughs> He's like, You want to speak? I'm like, sure. We would go to camp. I married the kind of guy that when we'd go to camp with 250 kids, I was the speaker and he hung with Jake in the in the camper and changed diapers. And I slept with, you know, all the girls that were in the big cabin. And he was with Jake. That was and my husband had his doctorate and his um, masters of counseling. My husband was the executive director of Youth for Christ, but he just kept fanning a flame on on my life. Uh, well, yeah. I implore you, if you sp- if you do not spend time with God daily, don't walk out here without hearing me say, you got to do it. Make yourself. In the beginning, make yourself. Corey Ten Boom, and most of us have heard who she is, Holocaust survivor, who watched her sister die and knew her father died because, as Christians, they, 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 they hid Jews. Okay, how many of us would kind of go to the mat like that? This woman says this, don't pray when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. A man or woman is powerful on his or her knees. Intimacy with God is the whole package. It is courage. It is encouragement. It is hope. It is healing. It is power. It is rescue. It is answers. It's the desires of your heart. You miss it, you miss it. Okay? You don't want to miss it. This is coming from someone like (laughs) FOMO-ish. Fear of missing out. I've done high school ministry. I do junior high ministry now, so I, I, I know it all. I didn't know woke, but I know woke now. <laughs> yes, 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 Prayer is the door to humility, the pathway to intimacy. It's the heart of purity. Um, in prayer, if you let him, God will convict you. And you will call out and break off those things that hinder you from being the ambassador for the living, loving God, even with your own kids or your sphere of influence in your workplace. Go uh, to this place uh, where you're not afraid of holiness. I mean, we talked about it last night, and I talked about this young generation. Um, when I became a Christian it, it, it was the one thing a Christian was was different you did not look like your world you did not look like your friends you did not look like your culture and there was a cost I don't know where that went I happened to live with someone who was, became a Christian in the same way Very dramatic, lost everything, hurt everybody. Never want to do that again to anybody. Not to God, not to family, not to friends, not to church. And we kind of had this similar belief. We will not shame God's name in our life. My marriage counselor husband uh, has often said to me, and he's primarily only counseled Christians, said, I fight for their marriages harder than they do. He quit counseling, actually. Couldn't do it anymore. It actually hurt his heart. He did have open-heart surgery. And someone asked to be counseled the, the week before, and, and he had such an eruption in his heart, he said, I know I can't anymore. It's kind of taken him out. After 30 years of watching Christians hurt their children, shame God's name, three of my six pastors have had a fair. Three. Three. We have a responsibility to be holy like he is holy. It's it's part of the, it's part of the family of God. It's what I like about Jordan. It's what I like about AJ. They have that call on their lives. At a young age. I love it. Fan the flame on that. Prayer is the door to humility, the pathway to intimacy, the heart of purity. And it will give you the foundation of the strategy. And we talked about it for the dream in your life, but I want to take it to the next level. Prayer is where you receive God's strategy for your life. And if you are not meeting with the architect of your life every day, who has the blueprint, who knows every person, every networking, every phone call, everything you're supposed to do, believe me, I have lived in the last couple of years, and, and, and I kind of intimated this last night, that it's almost a pattern, a, a, a pathway. It goes from humility to intimacy to holiness. But when you hit the strategy, it's almost like you're back to this place of I'm listening for my marching orders, and, and, and I've got to be a really good listener because it might be make that call right now. Say these words right now. Go to this place right now. Make that plane flight, get that seat, and until you feel a peace, don't 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 do anything. Or ask this person for this, ask this person for this, ask this person for this. You know how many people don't like to ask? You do not have because you do not ask. Jesus said, "I'm an asker. My son's an asker. I I I have no shame in asking." My husband, anyway. Can I have some money? He always gives it to me. I'm like, so why not ask? (laughs) He literally, he treats me like when I go out the door to something really I'm a professional I should be doing, he's like, do you have cash? (laughs) I'm like, I do. Would you like to give me some more? I always take it. I'm like, why not? (laughs) My son's the same way. He walks in the door. I'm like, would you like like $20? He's like, sure. the strategy that i was most impacted by and 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 really what i wanted to say tonight is that prayer is the place where god will give men and women who will receive it a strategy to do something culture changing and history making i'm going to repeat it god gives men and women who will receive it i think the whole package has to come with it holiness package the intimacy package the humility package and believe me as i stood in front of all these young adults last night i'm 43 years a christian believing god called me to something i didn't know what it was i knew it didn't have a name quite yet i didn't know where it would be i knew it would be to change the world for the lord jesus christ i'm standing here today telling i haven't done it yet and I've done a lot of things. I've spoken at a Billy Graham crusade. I've been on CBS Early Show for 10 weeks. I had my own little series called Change Your Life with Beggy Tirabasi. I did all these things. I've written books. I've, I've done so many things. I know I have not done yet what, I, what the day I became a Christian God, God said you're going to do. And it didn't have a name. and it didn't, But I've known in the last two years what it is. I finally I know what it is. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done now that I know what it is because I have no control over it. I got on my knees one day by my bed. And it is a strategy, believe me. And it's, it's serendipitous, all of it. Like, I get a thought. I go up an escalator. There's a person. I say this thing to them. That person says, oh my gosh, you should meet this person. I make this phone call. I go there. The next thing I know, I have an apartment in Washington, D.C. But that was a conversation in itself. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to get an apartment. My husband said, I thought you'd get an apartment if you got a job in Washington, D.C. I said, I don't think I'll get the job till I get the apartment. We, we went our separate ways for three hours. It wasn't pretty. We came back, and I said, okay, I won't get into an apartment. He said, I think you should get an apartment. I went, okay. (laughs) It actually went like that. It did. I was forlorn. I thought, oh, my gosh. The strategy in prayer is where you have confidence peace the waiting the it's, and I'm not a waiter I'm not a good waiter I'm not and to be here 43 years to tell you I still haven't done it yet is somewhat excruciating but last night was so fun it's gonna get me down a couple more months <laughs> of waiting that was so fun last night I, I want to thank you all for I don't know what happened <laughs> but I would tell you that I didn't just come up with I have a strategy. I was impacted by a couple by the name of Bill and Vonette Bright. And I knew them from the 1980s, they were maybe 20 years older than me, so they were kind of those people who lived in holiness, who always talked about prayer, who gave up a lot to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to share the gospel across the world. In July of 2000, Vonett Bright sent me the autobiography of Bill Bright. And in there was a story. And the story was how when they both were near the UCLA campus, a woman named Henrietta Mears was the college pastor at Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And there were like 400 young adults. It was like the cool church. And Bill and Vonette weren't married then. Uh, there were some actresses, there were some UCLA athletes, Olympic athletes in their, in their group. I mean, it was like the hip-happening thing. And Henrietta gets up, and just her name alone is like, wow, Henrietta Mears? She gets up and preaches something. And this story is tucked away in Bill Bright's book. And I've known him 20 years, I've never heard this story, never heard it. And she gets up and she talks to all 400 and, and calls them to be expendable for the Lord Jesus Christ. She goes to her room and that night, three people serendipitously, not just tapped on the shoulder by God, went to her cabin. One was Bill Bright, businessman, 20s, single. One was Louis Evans, son of a pretty famous pastor, Bel Air Presbyterian at the time, uh, youth pastor. And then Richard Halverson, another youth pastor, Later to become the chaplain of the United States House, Chaplain of the Senate. But those three people walked to her room and said, We we want to be expendable for the Lord Jesus Christ. So they prayed all night. And I'm reading this story. I'm thinking, What happened? What happened? What happened? And it says they wrote a contract. And they called themselves the Fellowship of the Burning Heart. And they made a decision. And I've since called, I, I shortly after that called Vonette, and I said, who's doing Burning Hearts? She said, nobody. I mean, we went on, and three years later, God gave us the strategy, a dream, an idea, to develop a youth, a student college ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And we became the founders of Campus Crusade for Christ. So no one ever did anything with the Burning Heart contract. So I said, I'll do it. So here was their contract. And it's in num- a number of books. But I, I tell you this because dead people can inspire you. <laughs> you don't need to have a parent who was really cool and a great pastor. My, my dad was an alcoholic. I led my mom and dad to Christ. My dad became the bookkeeper for Youth for Christ in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> we got audited so many times, and not a penny, not a penny. Not a penny he was so proud. was off, ever. I love my brother to Christ. I, you know. They wrote, I am committed to the principle that Christian discipleship is solely di- sustained by God alone through his spirit. Therefore, they made four pledges. I pledge myself. Okay, who does that anymore? Well, I make people do it, don't I? I do. They made pledges and signed contracts. I pledge myself to spend one hour a day with God In prayer and Bible study, not less than one continuous hour a day. And I thought, oh, I do that, I do that. I'd done it about 15 years at the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the fellowship. (laughs) And then it says, I'm committed to the principle that Christian discipleship begins with Christian character. I pledge myself to holy living, chastity, and virtue. Sexual purity. I'm committed to the principle that discipleship exercises principally in winning the loss to Christ. I am committed to the principle that discipleship exercise pr- itself principally in the winning, that's what they're committed to, winning the loss to Christ. Therefore, I pledge myself to every possible opportunity to witness and to witness at every possible opportunity to the end that I may be responsible for bringing at least one, person to Christ every year you have goals I know you have business goals is that a goal so this was their goal okay ready for this this was 1947 Bill Bright and his wife get this idea as the book goes on a couple years later they lived with Henrietta lived with Henrietta as a young married couple gets the idea campus crusade for Christ when he died Campus Crusade for Christ was 50 years old, and 50 million people had come to Christ. So not one person a year, one million people a year came to Christ when God gave this young businessman a strategy for what? And what's the strategy? For the sake of the gospel and for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of the gospel and the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we're, we've lost it. And the last one, to offer themselves in all sobriety to be expendable for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm in. I am in the Fellowship of the Burning Heart. They're all dead, but I got this. <laughs> and I founded a little nonprofit student ministry, and I began to go across campuses and just issue in 2004, in 2005, in 2006, a call to a 21-day adventure in prayer, purity. And purpose would you would you for 21 days spend one hour a day with God? I mean do you go to the gym? Are you on social media? Are you in a staff meeting in a board meeting in an office meeting? watch a TV show? Do you give one hour to anything else on a given day but you get to the end of the day and say oh I'm just so tired He'll understand I'll do it tomorrow or do you set the alarm? I don't even set an alarm anymore. It's somewhere between 4 and 5. It just changes over time. Like, how fun is this going to be? How much time can I spend with the Lord? What's he going to tell me today? How fired up can I get? I mean, I was firing stuff off to AJ at 6 a.m. this morning. I'm like, what about this? And what about that? What do you think of that? Did you try that song? I mean, my quiet time is like, woo! A congresswoman got something. I went to a board member. I I couldn't help myself. I'm on fire. Because I have a strategy of changing the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I do. I believe it's his strategy. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're to implore people. Come to God. We're the ambassador. We're the janitors. Whatever you want to call yourselves. I wrote that book. The 21 Day Adventure, Burning Heart Contract, took it all over cam- all over campuses, and uh, one of those campuses was Azusa Pacific. And it was right at the beginning of all this. And I hadn't done the, like, prayer, purity, purpose talk, and I'm looking at all these college kids like I've already gotten pushback in small groups, big groups, this is going to be great. <sighs> My assistant was with me, and we'd traveled quite a bit together, and she's heard me speak a lot. And she said, as it started, I started trembling. And as I gave the message kids started coming forward there was a, apparently another campus where they would show it and they, they traveled from that campus to come to the altar and hundreds of kids came for a couple hours and I thought oh boy we're on to something here About one hour a day in prayer they're hungry for that intimacy with God a strategy from God Commitment to sobriety and sexual purity. I could say so much about that, but having lived the opposite life, I have nothing good to say about it. I would never, in a million years, my son. I don't. I. I it's, it's true. He he was a virgin when he got married. I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. At 27 years old in Newport Beach, California. There was a resolve, a resolve, a resolve fueled by the Holy Spirit of the living God. It isn't you, but by gum, when we show the world we're nothing different, a girl said to me, a girl said to me, she calls me up crying, no, text texts me three times, I'm in D.C., it's warm, and I'm like, I'm not in California. What's up? Uh, No, I said it is your fault because you can say no okay I gotta go to bed I'll talk to you tomorrow (laughs) end of story I'm like people who call me know what they're gonna get let's just get to the end you don't call me to hear me tell you what you want to hear you don't you don't am I right So when people call me, I had a guy call me, and he, he, I know, here's how it played out. I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. You called me. So let's go. We got a Tim Keller book that has nothing to do with that. And I said, we're going to read a chapter a week, and we're going to talk every Saturday. We did it for a year. There's tons of breakthrough, but I'm going to tell you the most important part. We prayed together, and I was there every Saturday because I knew as a teenager his mother committed suicide, and he found her. And I thought, I'm it. I'm mom. He's called me for that reason, and I'm going to treat him like my son. Or how I would treat my son. It's a terrific story, but I gotta tell you, it takes time, it takes a strategy. I literally thought, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And I went to jury duty, and I grabbed one of my husband's books by Tim Keller. He'll read those books, I don't know, I read dead people books. <laughs> and I'm sitting in jury duty, and I got to page 60, and I knew exactly who I was supposed to call. And in jury duty, I called him, and I said, would you meet with me on the phone once a week? He lives in another state. You, you have a- you're, you have busy schedules. I have busy schedules, but when God taps you on the shoulder, you can say no, or you can say yes. 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 And when you say yes, it's God's story, and and you might save a life, and you might change a life, and that life is going to change a life. And 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 you got to figure it out. If television and no time to pray and being social media and all this other stuff is more important. then you're missing something. You are. And the missing something is the strategy that God wants to give you. Okay. So at Azusa Pacific, when I shared that, my testimony, and the burning heart contract, and these kids came forward, a little tiny group of kids, like four. We've been praying all summer for revival on our campus. Now, every year, I'm sure the chaplain hears that. They said, we've been praying all summer, and we read a book, Finney's Lectures on Revival. It's out of print. It's 150 years old, and it was during the awakening that when Finney went across the country, he gathered all his information and strategy and wrote a book. You can't even buy it today. You have to buy a used copy. And these kids, these 18- and 19-year-olds, had been reading it. So when I came into their lives, they're like, ha-ha, we got you. Come with us. I'm like, give me that book. <laughs> this is the book. I stole it. <laughs> Some ladies' names in there from 97, August 97. I mean, he got the book used. I took it from him. And, and I, I can only tell you, I told Jordan this. I had 19 handicap golfing. I golfed every single Sunday. I stopped golfing. And I drove up to Azusa Pacific University. And I met with those handful of kids for about 14 weeks. And we would do what you did tonight. We'd worship and see what the Lord had to say. We'd worship and see what the Lord had to say. And I felt like if you've never read about revival, you should hear from someone who was a revival and wrote about revival and experienced revival where cities changed, where the moral climate of a community entirely changed because of the church who prayed for revival. Now, I've read most of the classics on revival, most of them. I really have dozens of books. And they it's only a few people that get together to pray. It's not masses. It's a few, consistently, daily. They, they build a furnace. They build a furnace. They build a furnace. They build a furnace. You can look back at Wheaton. You can look back at Asbury. You can look back at all the revivals, and it's just a few kids in a a little room praying. Yep, so here's what he says. Revival is the renewal of the first love of Christians. Did you know that? Did you think revival was for the lost? They're really lost. This is the guy who did it. Revival is the renewal of the first love of Christians resulting in the awakening and conversion of sinners to God. This should say something. A revival of true Christianity arouses, quickens, and reclaims the backslidden church and awakens all classes, ensuring attention to the claims of God. Revival presupposes that the church is mired in a backslidden state. A revival always includes Christians being convicted of their sins. I went to 23 college campuses in 40 days. I woke up one night, had a little strategy, and I woke up straight out of bed. And I said to my husband, I feel like I should go on a 40-day prayer tour across America on college campuses where I've spoken in the last couple decades, decades, and, and we're going to have to call it the home equity tour, meaning we're going to pay for it. And I went. I called every college student I knew across the country, everywhere, state school, public school, private school, just to pray. And what I thought was that I'd find all these Christians who want to pray for revival. And I wrote a book about that. It was my worst selling book ever. <laughs> it was how the student Christian student population in America in the first decade of the 21st century is mired in pornography. Sexual immorality, same-sex attraction, because I wasn't praying with non-Christians. Non-Christians were not coming to a prayer room. This was Christians. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I called my friends at IHOP. I'm like, you better get on this, because I'm just one girl going out there trying to pray with students and build prayer rooms across the, the nation, and our young students are I believe, Finney. Backslidden Christians will repent in a revival. Revival is nothing other than a new obedience to God. Some books say it's not where the roof blows off, it's where the bottom falls out. That's revival. So we're using a word that kind of in our life is like, oh, revival. It was breaking down the sin of a nation a city, a community, and bringing in the life and the power and the goodness and the glory of God. The faith of Christians is renewed. Christian hearts are as, are hard as marble, and the truths of the Bible seem like a dream, but then in revival they admit, the word of Scripture is true, but their faith does not see the burning reality. But once awakened... They no longer see people as trees walking, meaning no empathy, no care for their souls. It says, a strong light reveals reality in a way that reignites the love of God in their own hearts, and they now zealously labor to bring others to him. Do you do that? For me and A.J. and Carrie, who were in my church plant in 2013 on the beach we didn't have a building try that for six months it's awesome i said just 21 days you guys give me 21 days would you just lead one person to christ and natalie was in our group she's in full-time ministry right now as is aj as is megan natalie's mom is jewish and their dad's atheist And Natalie had been a Christian two years, and she said, I've prayed for my dad to become a Christian like for all two years. I said, Make it a specific prayer. He's like, Okay. So for 21 days, she'd pray. He'd go to church. He came to church on a week I preached. He became a Christian. And last Friday night, I was at the movie with Pete, and his Jewish wife Beth, we're best of friends after five years. We are movie people. Pets two or four, whatever it is. Toys four. I mean, we're movie people. He's a member of our church. He built our cross. And and baby Christians do things out of proportion. That cross, AJ, is how many pounds? 300 pounds. <laughs> He's a dock builder. He's a dock builder. And when he became a Christian, he built a cross and he got baptized. I kid you not. I I don't know if you've seen baptisms at the beach, but when a dock builder who becomes a Christian, whose daughter is standing there and Jewish wife, is standing there watching a guy get baptized and he said, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, it took us all out. It took us all out. But what happened? That was 21 days of praying for her dad to become a Christian. Okay? I'm telling you, what are you asking? Are you asking for your neighbor? For your coworker, there's a guy in our church, we take prayer requests every single week on a, on a little sheet of paper. Every single week, I pray for Ramin. Every single week for five years, Ramin to come to Christ. He will not give up. I pray for this girl's brother and sister-in-law. Every single week. Do you do that? Do you have a passion, a burning passion for the lost? I think we're not going to see revival until a holy church is so fired up to give the good news that we know saves a sinner because we ourselves have been saved by the living, loving God. Jesus Christ died for our sins and it's the best news. It's the best news. It's the best news. Do people know that about you? Do they? Every student in this room, you're starting school. Make it your goal. Bring one one friend of Christ, bring them to church, start with church, bring them to uh, your your college group. Why not? I would have saved about four years. i I got to tell you this story, this little strategy story. I never graduated from college. I I was uh, sexually assaulted at Bowling Green State University. I was so drunk one night and some drunk people uh, attacked me and I was so humiliated though my friends got them off before it was completely devastating, I dropped out of college. And I moved to California and just continued that life until I came to Christ. I became a very successful author and speaker and without finishing my education. And I called a woman who, actually she called me, and she went to Bowling Green State University where I'd gone, and she out of the blue said to me, Do you know that we are the first university in the United States that's having online education. But the only way you can take it and graduate from Bowling Green State University is if you're in junior status. And you have been to school on this campus. And I'm living in California. I'm like, oh, I have. I am. I will. So I sent $35 into Bowling Green State University. They sent it back. They are like, you were enrolled in 1973. <laughs> we don't need your $35. So I started. and. I, told my husband every day, you know, if I was a senior on the campus of Bowling Green State University, I would change the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do that, Roger. I'm going to, I'm going to change my campus for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, Becky, you're an online student. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I got all these kids. I took sports media. I had every kid in that class who took, they were all boys, and they all took, uh, they all had fantasy football teams. I'm like, you got to get over that. No girl's going to put up with that. <laughs> I had a role in every class. I had a transgender professor. And his first line was, every Christian hates me, and I hate Christians. This, he says it in the middle of our, like, in the, I'm like, OK. I got a job. I'm the ambassador. And all the little sheep. 19 years old, they're bad mouthing and this and that. I'm like, shh, we have a job to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. I shared my testimony on my paper, and I got an A plus. I got the highest grade in that class, and that he knew who I was. And somehow I found a way to befriend him and love him. And you can do that. I represented the Lord Jesus Christ flying colors. Of course, I was in my 50s. (laughs) And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that I would make a difference on my campus for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the summer, I was told, if you will get all A's for the rest of your class, you'll graduate cum laude. I'm like, I want to graduate cum laude. So I got, I, I just, I got A's. And they said, you're going to graduate in December. You'll be the first online class. And I would spoken at Anderson College, a Christian college. And I, I remember where I was. I was in Indiana. And I'm walking down a hallway of a hotel. And I got a phone call from Bowling Green State University. And I remember my hands shaking. I remember starting to tremble. And it was the dean. And he said, we've chosen you to be the first student in 99 years to speak at commencement in front of the Pastor in front of the parents and all the students. Uh, I fell to my knees. I called my husband and said, I'm gonna represent the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm making a difference on my campus. And I had to turn in, I had to turn in my entire speech. I'd never given a commencement speech. And he let me tell my story about the janitor. He did. I, gotta, I got to, as I'm leaving, and I told my mom, just live. Just live. You're 87. Just live till December. You got to get there. <laughs> and I kid you not, I got to tell you the most embarrassing part of this. I know I'm running over, but I got to tell you this. I got, my bo- I got my box. As true to form as a California girl, I'm going to tell you this part too. I had my little Kate Spade dress on under that black thing. could nobody see it. I had my little Prada, Prada shoes on. <laughs> I have to walk down the row with the president the whole bit. I got my little box with my black and my hat and my tassel. There were two tassels in there, so I put a bolt on. I sit up there by the president and the dean, and I'm waiting for my time, and I'm fired up. And I I give my speech. It's on camera. I'm in perpetuity. Sit down. I say to the dean, how come I have, like, two tassels? He says, well, the orange-brown is Bowling Green, it's your class. No, he goes, the white one is your class, your Bachelor of Arts. The orange and brown one, that is like your souvenir. I'm like, what? I have worn a souvenir on my hat to give the commencement speech! Oh my gosh! I, I split a gut. I couldn't believe it. I just tuned on that thing. I went up to my family. I started crying, laughing so hard. I'm like... Who does this? Someone who hasn't graduated in 35 years has no idea what the tassel action is. I'm like, oh my god. I know. The dean decided to invite every single one of my professors to a luncheon with the president of the university. I promise you, every minute of every class at 50, to, at 50 to 55 years old, I represented the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to do something with your life. He'll give you his strategy. My husband was so, the one thing keeping me away from graduating was a food and nutrition class and they were gonna make me take biology and I was not gonna do it. I said, I took food and nutrition, I know I did. I sent them boxes of information. I kid you not, as I got to get my diploma, this staunch dude says, I got every petition you ever sent, and I'm the one who said yes. I'm like, you're the man. (laughs) Every story. My whole life is like that. AJ walked into my life. I mean, Carrie walked into my life. You've got to see that God has an amazing plan. It may not be big league on television, that stuff. It's changing lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going you're gonna to get to heaven. I know I'm going to get to heaven. The girl on the airplane, the other girl on the airplane. I keep in touch with everybody all these years. I do. I feel it's part of my responsibility. Send them Bibles, keep them going. You've got to do this. You, you make a difference. You do you do, please, if revival is ever going to happen, it's going to start with the church being a holy church that loves the Lord Jesus Christ so much, we're willing to do what it takes, and it's not much in college, you guys, most revivals start on college campuses, let's do Boise, why not, let's pray. Oh, I wanted to say, Papa, you're just so good. When I started out my prayer time this morning, I just said, you're so good. I opened my Bible, and it says, the Lord is so good. What a confirmation that when I open my Bible, you're there. When I walk down the street, you're there. You're in my heart. You're in my thoughts. God, I pray for every single person in this room. They would hear your voice and feel your touch and realize that you're their brand new person in Christ that you want us to implore others to come to the good God and that we represent him so well that they just want to know who's your father who is this person please Lord whisper over us, sing over us, pray over us, speak over us. Don't let us leave tonight lazy, tired, stagnant. Angry at somebody else, unforgiving, bitter, Lead us into an amazing new way to walk with the King. That one that says, back to the simple gospel, that song we sang. You're just so good. And if today you just walked into this room, we'd bow our knees and bend our hearts and speak your name and 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 sing to you. We love you, Lord. Please mark today on our calendars as a day we can remember that's never, we're never, never going to be the same. In Jesus' name we pray and can we say amen. Thanks for listening to the River House Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.